Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Ruth. Happy Friday, friends and faithful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in on this lovely, lovely morning. It's just been a gorgeous morning, a gorgeous week. I have had just a great week, actually, even though I've been sick for the majority of it. I have had a really good week because I'm just very excited for Christmas coming up. And I have a lot of exciting things happening in my personal life and on the podcast as well. And today, guys, you know, I got my Spotify analytics back for the entire year. And uh, I just have to say the Spotify told on you guys. You guys are in trouble. I found out today that the majority of my Spotify listeners, like all you guys that are on Spotify out there listening to this podcast, I found out that one of your favorite genres of music is rap music. I'm shaking my head. I'm just, I'm disappointed because I just, I can't understand rap music. Literally, like when I listen to it, I cannot understand it. (laughs) I'm just teasing you guys. But it was very interesting for me to find out that you guys like rap music. That was something I didn't really expect, if I'm being honest. But my personal favorite genre of music, other than Christian music, of course, is actually country music. Where I live, I have to listen to country music because I live out in the middle of nowhere. I live in the middle of the sticks. And so I have to I have to listen to country music if I'm going to live in the area that I live in. (laughs) But I actually do like country music. I've always liked it. I love a good Johnny Cash and uh, Josh Turner and um, Shania Twain. And who else do I like? I don't know. Those are the only ones I can think of right now. But I would love to know, what are your guys' favorite genres of music? Because I have more than Spotify listeners. I have Apple Podcast listeners and Lipson listeners and I don't know, wherever else you guys listen. I'd love to hear, what is your favorite genre of music. So you can contact me. You're going to find my information listed in the description of this podcast episode and answer this question. What is your favorite genre of music? All right. Today we're going to read Ruth chapter three, the entire thing. So one through 18, we're going to read today and we're going to discuss this interesting encounter Ruth has with Boaz, what this means. And I'm also going to discuss polygamy again today because you guys know that I love talking about polygamy. (laughs) I feel like I'm talking about polygamy every couple weeks. I mention something regarding polygamy and you guys know I like to talk about it. So we're going to talk about Ruth chapter three today. And as always, I'll be reading out the W.E.B. version this morning. But please feel free to read out the version that you prefer to read out of. And also grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea this morning. And let's enjoy reading Ruth chapter three. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Now isn't Boaz our kinsman, with whose maidens you were? Behold, he will be winnowing barley tonight on the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself, anoint yourself, get dressed, and go down to the threshing floor. But don't make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be, when he lies down, that you shall note the place where he is lying. Then you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lay down. Then he will tell you what to do. She said to her, All that you say I will do. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything that her mother-in-law told her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. She came softly, uncovered his feet, and laid down. 
At midnight, the man was startled and turned himself and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? She answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Therefore spread the corner of your garment over your servant, for you are a near kinsman. He said, you are blessed by Yahweh, my daughter. You have shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, because you didn't follow young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do to you all that you say, for all the city of my people knows that you are a worthy woman. Now it is true that I am a near kinsman. However, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Stay this night and in the morning, if he will perform for you the part of a kinsman, good. Let him do the kinsman's duty. But if he will not do the duty of a kinsman for you, then I will do the duty of a kinsman for you, as Yahweh lives. Lie down until the morning. She laid his feet until the morning. Then she rose up before one could discern another. For he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. He said, Bring the mantle that is on you and hold it. She held it, and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then he went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did it go, my daughter? She told her all that the man had done for her. She said, He gave me these six measures of barley, for he said, Don't go empty to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know what will happen, for the man will not rest until he has settled this today. I really like that the end leaves like this cliffhanger for us. Like what's going to happen? You know, is Boaz going to marry Ruth or is some other random guy going to marry Ruth? We don't know. So <laughs> it just leaves it on a nice little cliffhanger there for us. But the first thing I really noticed about this portion of scripture when I read it is how culturally different it is. And I remember hearing this story when I was a little kid and thinking that this was really weird, if I'm being honest, like this entire story was kind of strange. You know, she's uncovering his feet and lying down at his feet. And it was just an interesting story for me that I didn't quite understand because, you know, it's so different nowadays. Like when you like somebody, you ask them to date you. And if you want to marry somebody, usually you go through like months of dating at least before you ask the person to marry you. You don't just like go and uncover his or her feet and lie down at them as a like marriage proposal. (laughs) So let's see what's happening here. So Naomi and Ruth are living together. They're both widows, if you guys recall. And so it says in verse one that Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? And I really like that verse because Naomi is doing what Titus 2 tells a older woman to do for a younger woman. Titus 2 talks about how older women should treat younger women. They should counsel them and guide them and help them love their husbands and their children is actually what it says. And that's exactly what Naomi is doing here for Ruth. You know, she's saying my daughter, you know, she almost is like acting like Ruth is her very own child here. And it kind of seems like Naomi and Ruth really did have that mother-daughter relationship. It seemed like they have a very good relationship. And so she says, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? So that means she's saying, Ruth, look, you know, you deserve a family of your own. You can't stay here with me forever. You can't be miserable. You know, I want you to have a healthy and happy life. You're still a young woman. You need to go out and get married yourself and have your own family. I want things to be well with you is what Naomi says to Ruth. She reminds Ruth that she has a kinsman redeemer who is Boaz. She says, isn't Boaz our kinsman? 
So she reminds Ruth, she's like, look, you have the opportunity to marry Boaz because Boaz is our kinsman redeemer. And what Naomi is referring to here is actually the Leverite law. And this is found in Deuteronomy 25 verses five through six. And so here's what it says. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside of the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as a wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And the first son whom she bears shall succeed to the name of the dead brother that his name may not be blotted out of Israel. So this is the Leverite law. Basically, what is supposed to happen to a widow when her husband dies, specifically if she is childless? So if she had children, I don't believe this this law applied. But if she was a widow and childless, this was a law God put in place specifically to protect and to take care of widows with no children. Now, if a widow did have a child, this law technically would not apply to them. And so that's why I think in Ruth chapter three, Naomi isn't demanding that Boaz marry her. <laughs> Instead, she's asking Boaz to marry Ruth, right? Because Ruth would have fit the bill for a Leverite marriage because Ruth had no children. She was a widow without children. And so going back to Ruth chapter three, Naomi reminds Ruth that Boaz is their kinsman redeemer. In other words, he is the lever, which is what that Leverite law is talking about. It has nothing to do with the tribe of Levi. It had to do with the lever, which I believe is the word for brother, the Hebrew word for brother. So Boaz was the lever or the kinsman redeemer. And so she says to Ruth, she's like, look, I found out today that Boaz is going to be winnowing barley tonight on the threshing floor. So here's what you're going to do, Ruth. You're going to go wash yourself. You're going to make yourself smell nice and you're going to put on your best clothes and you're going to go down to the threshing floor and you're going to wait for a little while and don't let yourself be seen by Boaz until after he eats and drinks and then falls asleep for the night. Then you can go in. You're going to uncover his feet and you're going to lie down. And then when he figures out that you're there, he's going to tell you what to do after that. And so Ruth actually says to Naomi, I'll do everything that you tell me to do. So Ruth really had this very humble spirit. As you can see, she was a very humble person. And so she was willing actually to allow her mother-in-law to tell her what to do. And so she said, everything you say to do, I will do. And so Ruth did it. She took a bath. She put some nice clothes on. She put some perfume on. And she went down to the threshing floor, watching Boaz and waiting for him to eat, drink, and fall asleep that very night. So you guys might be wondering, like, why the secrecy here? Like, why didn't she just come out and ask of Boaz to, like, marry her, like, right then and there? And the best I could research with this is that Ruth was kind of in a precarious situation here. Widows, once again, did not have the highest standing in society, first and foremost. So it was just very different for women back in these days. And, uh, she, you know, Ruth would have looked very inappropriate just coming up to Boaz and being like, hey, I demand you marry me. Even though technically Ruth did have that right, according to the Leverite law, 
it was her right to actually kind of demand that of Boaz. But times were just very different back in these days where it would have seemed extremely inappropriate for Ruth to go up to a man and demand or even ask that he marry her. So she was kind of in a a scary situation in a sense where she could have looked very inappropriate. And so that's kind of why the secrecy had to happen here. And not to mention, I, from my understanding, it was even a tradition to uncover the feet of the person you were asking to marry. Okay, so I'll explain that more in a moment. So anyway, it says Ruth did everything that her mother-in-law told her to do. It says when Boaz ate and drank and his heart was merry. So in other words, he was full and he was in a good mood. You know, he had a good working day. He had lots of barley to show for it. It says he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. So after a while, it says Ruth came in softly. So she was very quiet. Make sure she made sure that nobody could see her. And she uncovered his feet and laid down. So this means that if Boaz had shoes on, she uncovered his feet completely. She took off his socks and his shoes and his his blanket off of his feet and laid down at his feet. Now, this is the part where I think a lot of people are like, why was this a thing? Like, why did this happen? Feet were looked at as very gross back in these days because people didn't wash their feet very often and shoes were not the same as they are nowadays, right? Where they cover the whole foot, like people wore sandals back in these days. And so feet were icky. So Ruth uncovering Boaz's icky feet and lying down literally at his stinky, smelly feet would have been a very humble position for Ruth to take. It would have just shown humility and servanthood to Boaz completely. So we discovered why the secrecy happened and also why the uncovering of the feet happened to show humility that you aren't worthy for this person, basically, that you are asking to marry. And so from my understanding, I guess it was kind of a common ritual to uncover the feet of somebody you're asking to marry because you were showing like humility and that you weren't worthy for that person, basically. So Ruth uncovered his feet and laid down. And so it says that at midnight, Boaz wakes up. It says he was startled awake and he turned himself and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? So he is shocked, okay? Because maybe his feet got cold you know, in the middle of the night. And so he wakes up and he sees Ruth laying at his feet when he goes to like cover his feet back up. And so he's like, um, who are you? Now, before I get more into the story, Boaz was, you know, sleeping on the threshing floor (laughs) of his workplace. And so this is why I kind of believe that, um, Boaz was not married. And that's one of the reasons why I don't think Boaz was married is because he stayed at his workplace instead of going home to his wife and family if he had a wife and family. Now, granted, it doesn't say in scripture whether or not Boaz was married. Honestly, he could have been and he could have taken Ruth as a second wife. But the reason I have a really hard time swallowing that is because This entire story is talking about the way things should be. 
Do you get what I'm saying? Like the entire story is talking about Boaz, who is a very moral man who loves God and Ruth, who is a very moral woman and who loves God as well as Naomi. You know, the story started out with not great circumstances, right? You know, Naomi's family left Israel, something God told the Israelites not to do. Naomi lost her husband and her sons and uh, had to come back to Israel. But the rest of the story is a picture of what life can be like when you allow God to guide you. And Boaz being what it seems like a very moral man. I have a hard time swallowing that he was married and was almost like flirting with Ruth or even considering taking Ruth as a second wife. And most people will agree with that. There's very few commentaries out there that say that Boaz was married. And the few that do, they say that Boaz was married because he was a rich man. And rich men at this time period had a lot of wives typically. They had wives because wives were like an asset, you know, they were property more so than um, like a partner. And so that's why they say Boaz was likely married. But first and foremost, there's always exceptions to the rule. And secondly, Israel had just gone through a pretty terrible famine, right? So we don't know if Boaz never found anybody because the famine was so bad And unfortunately, a lot of people died during it. Or if maybe Boaz's wife had died at some point in time. And so Boaz himself was a widower. Or thirdly, Bethlehem was such a small city, which it was, that maybe Boaz had some slim pickings as wife material in the city. I don't know. (laughs) It's it's very possible that uh, he just didn't ever find somebody to marry as well. So I don't know. I mean... There are some possibilities, but personally, I I have a hard time believing that Boaz was married and also pursuing Ruth. Once again, because we know that polygamy is against God's design for one man and one woman. And secondly, this entire story is really talking about God's goodness and hope, you know, in, in one of the worst time periods of Israel's history, yet these three individuals, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, allowed God to guide them, and something good ended up happening in the end. So moving on, though, uh, at midnight, Boaz was startled and turned himself, behold, a woman lay at his feet, and he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Therefore, spread the corner of your garment over your servant, for you are a near kinsman. So a lot of people take this to mean that, you know, Boaz and Ruth did the dirty act of lovemaking on the threshing floor because (laughs) Ruth asked Boaz to spread the garment over her. Um, No, I do not believe in any way, shape or form that uh, any lovemaking happened here because once again, Ruth was in an extremely precarious situation. So why in the world would she make love to Boaz in a very public setting because the threshing floor was a public setting. You know, the threshing floor doesn't have a ceiling or walls. (laughs) It is purposefully open so that the wind can drive the chaff away from the barley and wheat and stuff. So why on earth 
would Ruth and Boaz make love in a public setting? That doesn't make any sense at all. So what this means, spread the corner of your garment over your servant for you are a near kinsman. It actually kind of means take me under your wing, you know, take me under your garment. And a similar statement is actually said by God. God says he takes us under his wing. And so that's basically what Ruth is asking. She's saying, will you take me under your wing, Boaz? In other words, will you marry me for you are a near kinsman? So she reminds him, she says, I want you to marry me and you are a kinsman. So technically I have the right to demand it from you but I am not going to. Will you please marry me? And he says, you are blessed by Yahweh, my daughter. So in other words, what Ruth did here was a very moral thing. She didn't demand anything of Boaz. She was not flashy or showy or rude. She was very humble. She came to Boaz in a very humble way. And not to mention, Boaz was also flattered. Because it says right here, you've shown more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning because you didn't follow young men, whether poor or rich. This means that Boaz likely was much older than Ruth. And we don't know how much older. He was still, uh, you know, a working man. He still was, uh, you know, energetic. It doesn't seem like he is super old, right? But he's older. And I'm sure Ruth was probably a very young woman, probably in her 20s. And uh, Boaz was likely in his 40s, 50s, probably. He says, Ruth, you know, you showed me kindness by coming to me when you could have chased after younger men, poor or rich, and yet you came to me. And so he says, my daughter, don't be afraid. So there you go. You know, why would he tell her don't be afraid? It means because Ruth was probably afraid. You know, this was a very scary situation Ruth was in. She could have been rejected by Boaz. Boaz could have blasted that she came and tried to seduce him in the middle of the night. Uh, She could have been caught by somebody. You never know what could have happened here. You don't, it's hard to really pinpoint the culture, you know, because we don't live at this time period. It's, It's hard to pinpoint how scary this could have been for Ruth, you know? And so he says, don't be afraid. I will do all that you say. For the city of my people knows that you are a worthy woman. So he says, he's like, look, it's okay. Don't be afraid. All of the city knows that you are a very worthy woman. A valuable woman is what he says. So that means that I'm sure Ruth was very scared that her reputation for all of this was going to be tarnished in some way. And so he says, it is true that I am a near kinsman. However, there is a kinsman nearer than I. That means that there is somebody related to the family of Ruth that was in closer relation than Boaz actually was. So Boaz, maybe he was like a second cousin or something like that. And this other man was a first cousin. We don't know. But Boaz is like, there's somebody else who is nearer than me. And so I am going to go to him first and see if he will marry you. And if not, then I will marry you. You are going to be taken care of. And so then Boaz says, lie down here until the morning. Now, why would he ask her to lie down there until the morning? Firstly, it is midnight currently when this is all taken place. And probably it was a dangerous time of night, right? So he tells Ruth to lie down until the morning so that she's not like going home at a scary time of night, you know, with scary men out there. 
Boaz is protecting her from a potentially scary situation. So all of everything Boaz has done so far has been protecting both Ruth and Naomi. So he's he's a very kind man. He's thinking ahead and he has a lot of regard for women as well. As you can see, because not only is he kind to Ruth and Naomi both, but it actually said that he hired women to work for him in his fields. So it seems like Boaz really did have a high regard for women. And this was possibly a rarer trait, not rare, but rarer trait for men to have back in these this time period, um, considering how women, like I said, were, were considered more of of assets instead of partners in this day and age. So he asks Ruth to lie down until the morning. And so she does. It says she laid at his feet until the morning. And it's important that it says that she laid at his feet, right? Because she didn't cuddle up next to him in the blanket. You know, she stayed appropriate until the very morning. And then she rose up before one could discern another. So I don't know if she slept much, but uh, she woke up as soon as morning had hit. So like before the sun really came up. And so Boaz woke up with her and he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor for the sole reason that he didn't want anybody to think less of Ruth's character. And so he says, bring the mantle that is on you and hold it. That's like a scarf. And so it says she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and laid it on her. And then he went into the city. So the second the sun was up, Boaz is heading into the city to see if he can marry Ruth or if this other guy is going to marry Ruth. And so Ruth goes home, says she came to her mother-in-law and the mother-in-law said, how did it go, my daughter? (laughs) And so um, Ruth told her everything that the man had done for her. And she said, he gave me these six measures of barley for he said, don't go empty to your mother-in-law. So there you go. I mean, Boaz, once again, taking care of Ruth and Naomi both. He had a high regard for women, right? So Naomi says, wait, my daughter, until you know what will happen for the man will not rest until he has settled this today. So Naomi gives Ruth some very sound advice here. She's basically like, you're going to find out more today. Calm down, chill out. (laughs) Which is what women need sometimes. (laughs) We just need somebody to be like, chill out. You don't need to freak out about everything. So it's left on a cliffhanger. What's going to happen? We don't know until we find out and read Ruth 4 on Monday. So we're going to finish out Ruth on Monday. And after that, we're going to be in season 7 of the podcast, which is so exciting. So exciting. And by the way, I hope you guys really enjoyed yesterday's episode that I did with Greg Kokel. However, we didn't really discuss Acts chapter 14, the first portion. So I'm going to also discuss Acts 14 again on Tuesday because uh, I want to explain that portion to you guys as well. So anyway, faithful listeners, I hope you have a fantastic weekend and I will see you all on Monday to finish up the book of Ruth. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy listening and God bless.